0: Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at WhitRiverside.
1: Okay, so we're coming into land on our Unhurry series. How are we doing with this? Have you been slowing? Have you been taking some new habits on board? Good, okay. It's always encouraging when you look back at me with those blank faces on a Sunday morning. No, I know lots of you, I've been chatting with lots of you, I know lots of you are doing some some great work on this. You remember when we started this series, we looked at Matthew 11 from the message, this wonderful translation that's in there. Um, Walk with me and work with me. These are the words of Jesus. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And that's from the message translation of Matthew 11. So if we go into... This, in this passage, Jesus talks about being yoked. And the yoke was the, the wooden beam that was used to, to sort of connect two animals together to plough. And normally you had a, a more experienced oxen with a younger oxen, and you'd yoke them together. And the more experienced oxen would kind of teach the younger oxen how to walk in a way that was useful to the farmer. And if we're going to yoke ourselves to Jesus, then we have to get in step with him. We have to change our pace so we actually walk in step with him. That's what I like about this translation in the message, walk with me, that sense of being in step with Jesus. There was a pastor in China who talked about the three-mile-an-hour Jesus. Jesus did everything at three miles an hour. He walked from place to place to place to place. And that rhythm is really important, that unhurried nature is really important. And we've looked over the past few weeks at how we live in this culture of extraordinary distraction. We talked about continuous partial attention, what we all suffer with, bouncing from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. And the culture we live in is encouraging encouraging us to do more, to do life faster, to fit more in, and become more and more pressured. And that pressure is also in the church, Part of our kind of charismatic evangelical roots say, do more, get bigger, do more activities, do more projects, do more, do more, do more. And so we face pressure outside and inside to live a, a hurried life. But just keep doing more activity doesn't make us more spiritual. It doesn't make us more transformed as people. You, you face pressure from everywhere to do life in a hurry, don't you? Everything says do more. Everything says, be more active. Everything says, fit this into your life. Squash this into your life. But Jesus was never in a hurry. When the theologian Dallas Willard was asked to describe Jesus in one word, he said, relaxed. (laughs) Jesus was a person who didn't allow the pressure of life to force him into a different rhythm (coughs) or a different speed. He lived an incredibly busy life, probably one of the most One of the busiest sort of lives in terms of the amount of people connecting with him and seeking him out. But he had this rhythm of unhurry. He lived this calm and compassionate life that we would love to emulate as we seek to come in step with him. He was also incredibly interruptible. Most of us just hate interruptions, don't we? Yeah. When you've got your day sorted out and you're cracking on with your plan and you're getting your things organised and suddenly something comes in and sort of knocks you off beam and you think... ah. I just hate being interrupted, you know, because it sort of feels like time's been robbed from us when we're interrupted. But Jesus lived the most interruptible life probably of anybody. Everywhere he went, people interrupted him. Said, Jesus can you, Jesus will you, Jesus can I. And he was constantly being interrupted by the people that he was serving and walking amongst. And so how do we learn to slow our bodies and our souls and our emotions down to walk in step with Jesus? You know, Jesus Jesus made capacity in his life for people. He made capacity in his life for interruptions. And most of us don't factor any capacity into our lives for that sort of thing. In fact, we, we try and be as efficient and cram as much into our diaries as possible because that's what we've been conditioned to do. And anything that slows us down can really make us feel irritated, yeah? Unproductive, annoyed. Who hates getting stuck in traffic? Who hates, you know... All the things, we were coming home last night from Birmingham and there was, a, there was an accident on the motorway. And straight I thought, oh no, I saw the red on Google just start to extend. And straight away I could feel you know, the anxiety rising in me. I thought, oh dear, I thought I was going to do it in three hours. And it's now stretching. You, know. and you could see Google just adding the minutes really helpfully. You know, Plus seven, plus eight, plus ten. And you know that's not going to change because it's only going to get worse. We just hate that. Who hates joining the wrong queue in the supermarket? You know, you've tried to factor everything in, you've looked at their load, you've looked at their, you've checked out the speed of the cashier, are they going quick, are they going slow, is there anybody there, we just cash, oh no, don't do that, and so you've, you've figured it all out, you join, you make your choice, and then suddenly, we're now opening cashier number six, and everybody dashes over there, or, or the person in front of you decides they're going to run away and bark, and you, you know, it's all just stress and anxiety, or you're in a traffic jam on the motorway and you're lane dodging and you join the wrong lane and the car you've been tracking starts to creep past you and you think, no! And so you, we, we just hate that. We just hate that. We just hate that sense of, of being slowed or interrupted. Or even buffering on netfication. And the problem is we haven't got any resilience for interruptions anymore. We haven't got any resilience for the things that life throws at us. And so when they happen, we have this disproportionate reaction. We, we're stressed and frustrated and angry. Everything has to be instant and efficient. That's what life tells us. Even when your, you know, your app stops working, why are my notifications working anymore? What, what's happened? You know, what's, what's and we get stressed because we want this instant life continually. Mm-hmm. Our digital age has made our tolerance muscles virtually wasted away to nothing. We have no capacity to deal with the inconsistencies that life throws at us anymore. The author John Altberg he talks about a way to try and build our tolerance levels back up again. He he, he describes uh, a way of cultivating patience by deliberately choosing to place ourselves in positions where we simply have to wait. So rather than joining the shortest queue in the supermarket, you choose to join the longest. How are you all feeling about that? (laughs) So you choose to join the longest... And then you choose not to get your phone out. You choose just to stand there and wait. And if you're really brave, you might choose to talk to somebody around you as you wait. I oh, know, it's just completely alien, isn't it? I mean, what are we doing here? You know, we're choosing to put ourselves in a position of slowing deliberately. And John Ortberg says if we do that more and more, if we choose to join the slow lane, if we choose to walk behind somebody who's going really slow and not push past them, if we choose to do these things and we integrate these things into our lives, then what happens is we increase our resilience. And so when we're faced with something that does slow us down, something that's out of our control, then our reaction is different because we've built capacity and resilience into our lives to be able to handle the things that life throws at us. Because so if you use your freedom to train yourself, then when you're faced with other things that are beyond your control, you've got some degrees of resilience. You don't suddenly blow up. You don't get this disproportionate frustration reaction because you've trained your emotions, you've trained your your body, you've trained your soul into an unhurried lifestyle. Now, I'm going to check back in next week and see how we're doing with this. (laughs) So maybe try this week, make one choice, just one choice, to slow. You know, join the slow lane. Get into that longest queue. Get behind the person with the troublesome item in the shop. You know, do something that's going to deliberately slow you down and see how you feel. See how your body starts to react. You know, is it frustration? Is it anger? Is it fear? What starts to rise in you? And then begin to allow the Lord into those places. And as we do these sort of exercises, we begin to cultivate an unhurried soul. We begin to slow. Because as we finish this series, there'll be many temptations for you just to speed up again. Because culture will say, speed back up, get back up to pace, get back up to speed. So many distractions will be vying for your attention. Cleverly designed things will be trying to get your attention. And so how do we maintain the pattern? One of the things we can do is, is do what the ancient sort of Ignatians used to talk about, were life rules. We build a, a set of rules into our life. They used to think about it like a trellis. We touched into this in our Emotionally Healthy series back in 2018. So you create a framework, as you would in a garden. A trellis is designed to help plants grow up and support them as as they grow. You create a framework in your own life to try and help you cultivate intentional habits that will help you in spiritual transformation. A guy called um, Justin Early wrote a, a book called The Common Rule, Habits of Purpose for an Age of Distraction. We're going to look at some of the things that Justin suggests today that you might want to integrate into your common rule. And at the end of today's talk, I'm going to leave about 10 minutes, hopefully, and you're going to have a chance to think about what your life rules might look like going forward. Okay? So we're going to spend some time today. You've got time in this service to think about what life might look like as you construct this trellis to help you lead the unhurried life. So let's just pop this first one on the screen here. So this is Justin's... Kind of starting point for his common rule. And you can see he's got different icons down there to, to describe different things. He's got habits that he encourages us to embrace, and he's got things he encourages us to resist. And on the horizontal axis, he's got things that encourage us to love God, and he's got things that encourage us to love our neighbor. And he divides it into daily habits in the middle, and then weekly habits in the outer circle. So let's begin to unpack some of these things that Justin uh, talks about. So, daily habits of embrace. So these are things, he, he's integrated into his own life. He was a crazy busy, I think he's a, a solicitor, and he was burnt out and he thought, how can I change the pattern of my life? How can I do things that will help me nurture my soul? And so these were his life rule suggestions. So, Daily habits of embrace, things that he wanted to incorporate into his life. And the first thing he talked about was, was prayer. And he talks about kneeling prayer, which I thought was quite interesting, because kneeling prayer is quite old-fashioned, isn't it? Getting down by the side of your bed as a child, and on your knees, praying. How many people kneel in prayer now? How many people can kneel? <laughs> he talks about bookending his day in prayer. So he starts in prayer, and he finishes in prayer. So when he wakes he gets down on his knees and he just commits the day to God. And before he goes to sleep, he gets down on his knees and thanks God for the day. And he also tries to integrate a a time of prayer in the middle of his day. Now, these aren't extended times of prayer. These are relatively short times of prayer. But the kneeling for him is really important because it's saying, actually, there's someone bigger in the universe than me. There's someone more qualified than me to to lead my life. There's someone who, who I can surrender to. And so by adopting a posture of kneeling, He's deliberately using his body to help him understand that fact. That what we do with our bodies is important in worship and spirituality. That's why we encourage you to open your hands when we pray, because opening your hands opens your posture, and in turn, it also opens your soul. When you choose to kneel, you are saying, I'm going to surrender myself. I'm going to to put myself beneath somebody else. I'm going to come in an attitude of humility. And that's what Justin does. He kneels. Three times a day. So that's something you might want to think about yourself. Before you, uh, anything else hits you in the morning, you just commit the day to the Lord. And in the evening, you thank God for the day. A daily habit of embrace. The second one he talks about is eating uh, a meal with others. Now, this might not be possible for everyone, but rather than eating food on the go or eating food at our desks or rushing the next meal down, he chooses to stop and sit down and share some food with somebody else. It might be a sandwich, it might be something very simple, but choosing to stop and connect was something he wanted to integrate into his life, to help him um, in spiritual transformation and formation. Jesus spent a vast amount of time eating with people. Have you noticed? Everywhere he went, he was just eating. And in the Middle Eastern culture, eating was a very intimate act. It was, it was almost as close as love making. If you had a meal with somebody, that's how intimate eating was it was a very intimate relational act and so jesus often used times of eating with people to really connect with them at a soul level and we can do the same we can we can stop and we can just eat with someone and we can connect with them and we can share life with them and that can help us nourish our souls so rather than reaching for our phones or the tv or the paper or distracting ourselves we choose to stop and connect a daily habit of embrace and then we go into these habits of resistance that um that Justin thinks about. now. these are things you're trying to to effectively manage. You're trying to stop that cultural pressure that is is sort of coming at you in waves. And the first thing he does, reads his Bible before his phone. So the first thing in the morning, before he reaches for his phone to see if anyone's notified him, or WhatsApp, or Instagram, or the news, he chooses to go to his Bible first. And he's found this incredibly helpful in managing his spirituality. Because what Justin says is the first voice he wants to hear in the morning is the voice of a loving father. You know, if you reach your phone straight away in the morning, the first thing you can read can be anything that can impact on your soul. It can be a piece of news, it can be um, something that distracts you, something that uh, tries to shape you psychologists have found out that in the morning and in the evening are your most sort of times when you're most shaped by what you connect with or what you receive into your spirit. So the thing you look at first in the morning and the thing you look at last at night, these are things that tend to to reside in your soul. So if the first thing you reach for in the morning is is Instagram or WhatsApp or Facebook, that's what's going to sort of (coughs) land in your soul for the day. And similarly, if that's what you take into your dreams, into your sleeping, that's going to sort of sit in your soul as you're asleep so he chooses to go to his bible first now for some of us our bibles are on our phones okay you just have to manage that out <laughs> you have to manage out the notifications and the distractions and choose some of you i know a lot of you do lecture 360 fantastic it's on your phone but you don't need to check facebook first you don't need to check whatsapp first you can drop straight into that app and enjoy it for what it is now the next one is a huge one for most of us one hour with your phone off one hour with your phone off. I can feel the anxiety rising already in the room. What would happen if we turned our phones off for an hour? Well, Michael McIntyre's got some interesting thoughts.
0: So thank you for coming here. Thank you for, uh, thank you for spending a little bit of time away from your mobile phones because they know it's a little tense in the modern world. I don't know what happens to chargers. Everybody gets a charger with their phone. Why do households always end up with one charger in the kitchen that everybody fights and steals? There's no love in homes anymore. People will steal power now. (laughs) You put your phone on charge and leave it for a period of time, you'll come back after a few hours expecting it to be on 80, 90, 100%. Your phone is just next to the charger, and somebody else in the house is on the charger. And they defend it all about the battery life. You've stolen, why did you take my phone off the charger? You're on 62, and I was only on 14. Announcing to the house, guys, keep an eye on my phone. As soon as I hit 62, that's enough for me, that's good enough. For me. <laughs> People cannot cope. When your phone runs out of battery, it's like your life is over. You, I, how am I going to live? How am I going to live? I've got no power. My phone's dead. My phone's dead. You suddenly miss all these things. I can't, I can't look up on Google. I can't look at photos. I can't receive calls. I don't know what I'm going to do. The maps, I might need the maps. I don't know what to do. But it was so long ago, okay, many people in this room will remember this, that we used to not have mobile phones. And it wasn't such a panic when we left the house. We didn't used to leave the house and go, oh, I don't think I can leave all this stuff behind I might need it. Can you open the boot? I'm going to need to bring all my encyclopedias. I might need to look something up. Uh, I'm going to bring some board games. Is that alright? I'm going to take some board games. Every photograph I've ever taken, I'm going to take all of them my Z, my ordnance survey map all my record collection my entire i'll need the back seat as well all right i'll take that compass oh and the torch that's fine
1: <laughs> there you go life without our phones can seem incredibly stressful but we need to figure out how to, how to manage our phones. They are the biggest distraction uh, instrument that we have all the time. John Mark Comer talks about parenting his phone, putting it to bed at night, like he does with his small children, and then choosing to have time away from his phone, giving full attention uh, to his family and also to the love of God. And so we have to figure out, you know, what does it look like, maybe, to have a time when you don't have your phone <laughs> that can just intrude into the, your situation, into your life, into that relationship, uh, my son John is experimenting with a uh, a decluttering launcher app. So his phone now looks like this. How interesting is that? So literally, what it's done, it's taken away all the notifications, all the badges, all the eye candy that's designed to stimulate you to go and check out that app or that thing. And all he's got on his phone now is just the things that he wants uh, quick access to. So, so he's using that to try and help him manage the distraction that his mobile phone might bring to him. And you might want to use different techniques, different things to help you how you manage out your mobile phone. But maybe, just maybe, you could have 15 minutes a day when you put your phone on, do not disturb. Or you even turn your phone off and see what happens. Did For me and for God. and uh, Because way back in the day, we were uncontactable <laughs> at different points in our life. We didn't carry around phone boxes on our backs. We didn't, um, you know, we had to figure out how to do life. And so it's only recently that, that culture has told you, you have to always be on. You have to always be available. And so figure out what life might look like as you manage out your mobile phone. Okay, so into weekly habits of embrace that Justin talks about. Rest, so important that we stop and rest. We looked at Sabbath a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? The whole concept of how do we come to stop come to stop and then allow God to replenish us and nourish us and again culture tells that we can't ever stop there's always more to do our task lists are always growing but we need to figure out how to integrate Sabbath rest into our days so what does it look like to come to stop for you and enjoy God and just enjoy things that bring you joy what might what might you want to do that replenishes you you know, isn't the next task, isn't the next job, isn't the next thing that you need to get or plan or do or fix. <coughs> and then Justin tries to have one hour of good conversation with a friend a week. You know, we're not made to do life on our own, we're made to do life together. And so, making time to have really good connections where we connect with our soul, with each other, we share deeply, we support each other is really important to have. Those meaningful connections and conversations. And they help us to love our neighbour. They help us to turn outwards to other people. So thinking about, you know, where in your week do you have a chance to stop and have good conversation? Really good conversation, not just surface conversation. Weekly habits of resistance. These are things, again, we want to try and uh, use to help us resist culture. So fasting We've done fasting. Many of you have been fasting on the 21-day period. I'd encourage you not to lose that discipline now as we go into 2020. You know, what could you fast once a week for maybe a day? When we fast, we talk about how we deny ourselves. We break the cycle uh, of comfort. that Maybe we lean into something for comfort when we should be pushing into God. As we deny ourselves, it gives us strength. And also, when we fast, we identify with those who are suffering. We identify with those who are struggling. We identify with those who aren't, who don't have everything at their fingertips. We, we, we suffer with them. We're a body, after all, across the whole planet. So as we, as we fast and we create a degree of suffering in ourselves, we identify with the wider body of Christ. So what might fasting look like for you in your week? You might choose to fast some food. You might choose to fast uh, TV. You might choose to fast something that helps you push in and grow. And the last one's really interesting. Justin talks about curating media to four, just allowing uh, our culture of media to wash over him. He chooses to give himself four hours a week of what he chooses to watch. So he selects down. He looks at the maybe uh, uh, um, you know a box set or a program or whatever else. He says rather than just just letting that sort of continual sort of stream that's directed at me, I'm going to curate my time down to four hours a week, and I'm going to manage that time, and I'm going to. I'm going to be in charge of that, rather than just the next, and the next, and the next, and the next. Because there will always be another box set. (laughs) Netflix are very good at producing the next gripping series, the next... Have you seen? have 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 you seen? Have you seen? That will always be with us now. That's part of our culture. But how can we manage that? How can we select and be selective about what we allow into our lives and how much time we are spending with those particular distractions? So these are Justin's ideas, and you can add your own uh, ideas to this. You can add your own things to make it authentic to you. The key thing about life rules are, is they help you to intentionally plan your life. And you set out your stall to help your spirituality. Because no one else is going to do it for you. No one else is going to do this exercise for you. It's only an exercise that we, we can't delegate, it. we can't give it away. We have to do it ourselves. You might want to add exercise into this into this life rule. You might want to add things that bring you joy, recreation, hobbies. You might want to integrate relationships, thrive and grow spiritually. It can be added to this, these life rules. The key thing we're trying to do here is be intentional about avoiding distraction and hurry, coming up with a rhythm of life that we can grow. We had the chance to hear John Mark Comer this week speak at NLC in Nottingham. and He was talking about his church in Portland, how initially they'd been a hugely missional church. They'd gone to seven services, and they'd been pushing the missional front uh, over many years. And he realised after a while that the church was being incredibly missional, going out to tell people about Jesus. But what they, what they were taking with them was very limited, because their own experience of Jesus wasn't very transformational. So, they carried a message, but they didn't really have the internal life to reflect to what they were communicating. And he talked about how it's really important that we come and then we go. And so, you'll, no- you'll notice our next series is Go. We're going to look at the missional life, the missional call. But as we do that, we can't lose the, the come. We have to come to Jesus to be able to go. You can't give what you're not cooking. I've said it before. You can't give it away. You, you can't just, it's not just a passing on exercise. You, what are you going to expedite? What, what's, what's, what in your life is worth sharing with other people? What do you want to introduce them to? And so, as believers, we have this, we have to develop our interior life. It's so one thing we can't give away. We can't delegate to anybody else. You can read hundreds of books and listen to hundreds of talks, but you can't give away cultivating your interior life. It's the thing that you, uh, should be your main preoccupation in Christ. Because, As you go, that's what you take with you. That's what you are introducing people to. It's what's been cultivated in you. And so, I want to encourage us today as we come to land on this, to think about our own life rules. What would we integrate into our own life? What do we want to give attention to? How are we going to be wise in terms of how we invest our time and our resources, our energy? Because unless we're conscious stewards of these things, then culture will unconsciously shape you. Every day, you'll be shaped by the things around you and the things that are happening to you and the media that you're listening to. And that will all shape you unconsciously. So what we do with life rules is we consciously steward our interior life to become more like Christ, to get into the rhythms of Jesus. So I thought I'd finish today by giving us time Because I've got your captive here until 12 o'clock, giving you time to think about your life rules off the back of this series. And I've got some ideas for you. What do you want to embrace in your life? What do you want to try and cultivate? What do you want to try and resist in your life? How can you do things that help with these life habits? How can you be intentional about loving God? and loving the people God has placed around you, your neighbours. So I've got some ideas for you. I've got four categories you might want to think about under my life rules. So prayer. This is kind of a generic heading in terms of sort of devotion to God and spiritual practice. So what might your habits of devotion be? What might you integrate into your, into your life rules? How do, you, how do you expose yourself to the Word of God? How do you read it? Do you listen to it? Do you look at different versions of it? Do you just do you like a Lectio Divina, just meditate on a small section? Are you planning to try and read through the whole of the Bible in a year or part of the Bible in a year? How are you, how are you coming aside to quiet? How are you stopping and stilling? How are you letting God speak to you? How is your conversation with God going to take place where might it be what time in the day might it be you can think about places you can think about times as part of your life rule you might also want to think about other things you might want to read and listen to to help you grow what's, what's stimulating your spiritual life in 2020 then under rest what the Sabbath look like for you how could that be integrated into your week Perhaps you're thinking about mini-Sabbaths, short periods of time during the day, or maybe a longer period of time on a particular day. How can you embrace simplicity? How can you simplify your life so you're not controlled by all these different things that you have to manage or have or juggle? How can you bring a degree of simplicity? And what restores your soul? What, What do you take delight in? What do you enjoy doing that replenishes you? How can you integrate that into your rule of life? What does recreation look like for you? What, what, what replenishes you? And then we've got this section called activity. This is what you, you give your attention to. This is what you're active in. How do you steward that? How do you make sure you're managing that well? You have limited time, energy and resources. How do you use them wisely? How do you invest them wisely? How can you serve? How can you invest in others? How can you love the community that God has placed you in and the people around you? And are you integrating habits of exercise and rest and thinking about your diet and these things that we all need to think about to make sure we maintain uh, a degree of physical health? The Apostle Paul says, find out what pleases the Lord. And so, you know, does your life, the way you live it, bring pleasure to God? And last thing, relationships. Are you making space to connect with people? With family, with friends, with colleagues, with neighbours? Is there is there space in your life to be interruptible? A space to go the extra mile? Are you developing relationships with people who love you enough to speak the truth? You don't want to be surrounded by yes people. You want people who love you enough to have tough conversations. Trusted companions for the journey. You need people who are who love you enough to be able to say, hang on a minute, I don't think that's right. Or, you know, can we talk about that? We, need, we all need people in our life who we trust enough to be able to speak into our lives. Okay, so it's now over to you. We've got just under 15 minutes. And I want you guys to think about these things. I've got some things to help you. Uh, I've got some little proformers. You can have one of these. There's a load of them down there. Some pens some clipboards. You might want to use your phone, okay? I'm not against that. You might want to turn and chat to a friend. You might want to chat to a spouse or someone you come with today and say, oh, over the next sort of 10 minutes or so, why not think about under these different categories what you're going to do and put into your life rules? Is that okay? Now, as we get to get to 12, we'll gather together and we'll pray and commit this time to God. So, if yeah, if we can, we'll give those out. Put a bit of music on, guys. Three, two, one. Get chatting. Get thinking. There you go.
0: Thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at WhitRiverside.